This is The Guardian. I'm Gabrielle Jackson, coming to you from Gadigal Land, and this is The Full Story, Newsroom Edition, where Guardian Australia's editors discuss the news of the week. Putting people ahead of politics. That's what our government is doing by broadening these tax cuts. So they Prime Minister Anthony Albanese says he has changed his mind. We are choosing a better way forward given the changed circumstances. We are doing the right thing for the right reasons. Others are claiming that he has lied. Do you accept that this was a lie and why should Australians trust this? Every other Prime Minister who's broken a major promise has gone on to lose their job. you just looking for excuses here? Why didn't you level with voters at the election in May 2020? You promised to do politics differently, to bring integrity, honesty. And while most Australians say it's OK to break an election promise if circumstances change, there's no doubt that being branded a liar in politics can come back to haunt you at the polls. Today, I'm talking to Head of Newsroom Mike Tisher and National News Editor Patrick Keneally about when to call a lie a lie and why it matters in politics. It's Friday, the 2nd of February. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. Finding your perfect home was hard, but thanks to Burrow, furnishing it has never been easier. Burrow's easy-to-assemble modular sofas and sectionals are made from premium, durable materials, including stain and scratch-resistant fabrics. So they're not just comfortable and stylish, they're built to last. Plus, every single Burrow order ships free right to your door. Right now, get 15% off your first order at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's 15% off at burrow.com slash ACAST. Good morning, Mike. Morning, Gabs. Good morning. Oh, yes. It's our first episode (laughs) back for 2024. Welcome, Patrick. Morning, Gabs. Mike, like you and I suspect many of our listeners, I watched Nemesis this week. There were several versions of the same story being told. And in fact, Christopher Pine says people tell each other lies. Do politicians just lie? Well, everyone lies. I think it's fair to say. Sometimes it's right to lie. Sometimes it's very, very wrong to lie. (laughs) And in the context of that show, clearly it's true that everyone lies because it's the show is largely about Tony Abbott's government and the subsequent ones about Malcolm Turnbull and Scott Morrison's governments. Australia, this is your new Prime Minister. But a large part of it is about the overthrow of the respective 
leaders of the Liberal Party. Australia has its 29th Prime Minister. Malcolm Turnbull was today sworn in after toppling Tony Abbott in a late night coup. And so I guess in that context, there's a lot of manoeuvring, backroom deals, wondering who's got the numbers, etc, etc. Scott Morrison is tonight set to become Australia's 30th Prime Minister after a dramatic day in the Liberal Party room. Friendships are broken, people tell each other lies, and look, it's very deeply traumatised. Those are not lies told mostly to the public, although some of them were. And in that context, it is not any kind of surprise that people lie constantly. <laughs> one thing that really struck me about the Nemesis program was that no one really admitted to lying, although Christopher Pine said people lie all the time. Uh, everybody, I think, still has this image, particularly people like Scott Morrison, that they're just fundamentally honest people and they never lied and they never uh, deceived people into thinking they had their support. But obviously there were people who were telling Abbott that they backed him all the way and then changed their mind pretty quickly after that. I think lies told behind the scenes in the context of leadership challenges are not really the kind of lies that we should be overly concerned about. They are not nearly as serious as lies told to the public for different reasons. Mm. Well, Patrick, you know, lying is firmly on the agenda this week with the Labor Party changing their mind about the stage three tax cuts. There was a headline this week that read, Albanese tax cut lie, one more shot in Labor class war. Is it a lie? Was he just changing his mind? Look, it's a difficult one. He was certainly quite adamant uh, before the election and post the election that Labor were going to institute the Stage 3 tax cuts as they were legislated under the previous coalition government. They subsequently changed their mind, but it does fly in the face of direct and pretty emphatic claims that he made. My word is my bond. Yeah, they would not change those stage three tax cuts. Whether it was a good idea or not to change them is an entirely different situation. I have to think that, and most Australians agree, that this was a good move to change the stage three tax cuts. Situations had changed a lot from when they were legislated under the previous coalition government. So I think there are a few separate questions there. Maybe it was a broken promise, maybe it was a lie, but it may have been a good idea still to change it. And are you wedded 100% to things that you said years ago. You know, everybody changes their mind. Everybody looks at the circumstances and and makes judgments here and now. The difference between the broken promise and a lie, I would argue, is that a lie is where you know when you make the promise that you're going to break it. And this is what Peter Dutton accused Anthony Albanese of. Well, I think it's just a major break of trust. It's a betrayal. uh, And the Prime Minister promised this on over 100 occasions. This is not just some... Saying that he said the Prime Minister has knowingly and willingly lied to the Australian people. And I don't think the Australian people will easily forget or forgive. I just think most Australians don't want a Prime Minister who looks them in the eye, tells them one thing and then does completely the opposite. That assumes that the government knew they were going to change their mind. And I think for the vast majority of that time, it's not true to say they knew they were going to change their policy. They did get advice in December, sought advice and got it about the implications of changing it. And no doubt we're discussing the politics of that over the summer. So when in January, Anthony Albanese was asked whether they had changed their policy and he said they had not, you could argue that that was more of a lie. But the alternative to that would be saying, yes, we are considering changing the policy, but we have not changed the policy yet. And that is an answer that is going to invite all kinds of trouble for any government. And he was in a difficult place when he was asked that. He answered, 
with what you could characterize as a lie, but I think probably a, a reasonable lie if there is such a thing. Yeah, I was just going to say, I think that's a really important point that people get forced into these situations where they have to maintain a line and Albanese government had to maintain the line that things are going as they as planned, that they weren't going to amend the stage three tax cuts because to allow speculation would have invited a, a you know a media frenzy. Mm. They were almost forced into it by the way that governments are pursued over lies and, you well, know. Yeah, let's talk about the media for a second because there was this great vox pop in an ABC article this week where the ABC went around talking to people in Albanese's own electorate about breaking the election promise and one of his residents said that only the media cared about breaking election promises. Is that true? Does the media make too big a deal of, of this? I think it's very selective when the media makes a big deal of this. So you saw under the former coalition government in the horror 2014 budget where Abbott had promised something along the lines of... No, no cu cuts to education, no cuts to health, no change to pensions, no change to the... GS no new taxes and so on. And they went on to break just about every one of those in their 2014 budget. But, you know, where was the media outrage? All of it had Joe Hockey as Superman on the front pages of the Daily Telegraph and the Courier-Mail, the end of the age of entitlement. It was very well received by parts of the media, mostly in the News Corp, whereas other media quite rightfully went after him and the government for broken promises. Their outrage is often selective. So also, you know, with the Stage 3 tax cuts, parts of News Corp have been going very hard on this as a broken promise. I think a lot of other media can see the reasoning for this and are less outraged by, you know, what some people perceive as a broken promise or a lie. On this question, it is important to make, the, again, the distinction between a broken promise and, and a lie, which the coalition has not always done in its response to the tax cuts question. Yes, parties make promises before elections, entirely fair to report when they do not keep to them after the election. What is different, I think, is where politicians outright tell what is <laughs> the conventional understanding of a lie, which is they say something that is factually incorrect and knowing, knowingly do so for political advantage. And that is a much more serious breach of public trust. And I think it's really important to keep that distinction because it, the idea that the whole political system is built on lies and lack of trust is incredibly corrosive and dangerous, as we've seen in plenty of countries around the world. I think that's really an important point, Mike. So, Patrick, let's tease it out a bit. What is the difference between a lie, a broken promise and just changing your mind? Well, I think they're part of a whole complicated continuum or spectrum between the truth and a lie. Tori Shepard this week has written a great piece about why politicians lie and how we can tell and the techniques they use. And in that, everyone thinks that they're fundamentally honest and often people don't believe that they're lying, but there's often <laughs> a bit of a gulf between the truth and their obfuscation. So they'll try and answer a question, but instead of answering the question, they'll do a bit of bridging and blocking of the question. So, oh, that's an interesting question. But I think the real issue is that X, 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 or, you know, there's a hundred different techniques that they use to avoid answering questions that they don't want to answer. Is that a lie? No, of course it's not a lie, but they're just not answering the question. So it's part of a kind of complicated spectrum of truth to lies to everything in between. Mike, what have been some of the big lies in politics? <laughs> well, of course, 
no one really is ever going to agree on whether something was a lie or not, especially the person who said it. And so we need to be careful about accusing any one individual of having lied. I think one that springs to mind within my memory in the past 20 years or so was the Children Overboard Affair, where Howard government members before the 2001 election said asylum seeker children had been thrown into the sea. The boats kept coming, September 11 happened, and terrorism threats were thrown into the mix. And then the government released photos it said showed children had been thrown overboard when it never happened. It was disputed whether they had in fact lied in that case, but that was one where the accusation was certainly made that the behaviour was deceptive. Some senior defence personnel say it was a complete overreaction for political purposes. Labor MP Peter... Then there was the carbon price slash tax question. Julia Gillard was accused very publicly of having lied when she said... There will be no carbon tax under the government I lead. It got all very messy, but the accusation against her and her government, which stuck as prosecuted by Tony Abbott in the main, was that she had lied about that. I'm not going to get hung up on word games about how you describe various... And that was a very damaging, successful political campaign that, that helped him win power in 2013. And I think Julia Gillard made a similar argument to the government's making now in that the circumstances changed between when she made that pledge before the election and when they went into minority government with the Greens after exactly. the 2010 election. And, you know, circumstances changed greatly. They didn't have the numbers themselves to put in place an ETS or a market mechanism, which was originally their intention. Instead, the Greens pushed for a um, flat carbon tax, which was not the government's priority or, or first preference. But, you know, the circumstances had changed. Mm. But, of course, that kind of nuance never gets across as easily as Tony Abbott standing up and saying, you know, this was a lie, we've got to ditch the carbon tax. So it's really potent sometimes the idea of you know, a broken promise or a lie that has been made to the Australian people and it can be very easily weaponized. One other point I just make from what Mike was saying about is that the children overboard affair, it only really came out as a result of parliamentary inquiries that were held into the claims that were made. The notion of whether something's a lie or whether it's a half-truth or whatever is always so contested in politics that it's often hard to get to the truth for the media but just by asking questions and by finding out details. But when you get into these kind of legal processes like through parliamentary inquiries or, you know, royal commissions or, for example, in New South Wales, the Independent Commission Against Corruption, you often find out the truth about matters and it's incontestable and it, there is an actual objective fact that we get to. Mm. And what often comes out, even from those more forensic inquiries, more forensic than the media can prosecute in the moment, is that what I very often call lies are kind of lies of omission, where governments don't want to listen to information that they're told from reputable sources. You might put the whole reason for going to war in Iraq into that category, where the information about weapons of mass destruction, something that various governments involved in that should have known about, the whole RoboDebt Royal Commission brought similar things to light where it should have been obvious to people making decisions that the legal case was not watertight for the way that this policy was being put in place, but they went ahead anyway. And it wasn't the case of an outright lie in most cases. It was more like not wanting to hear the information from public mm. servants or others that ministers should have been paying attention. It comes back to that continuum, doesn't it? Yeah. So yeah. Iraq exactly. War is a perfect example of the, you know, the dossier in the UK, which was apparently sexed up to make it more appealing or more scary for, for politicians to make the case for war. Coming back to Australia in that instance, like, you know, there were people out there saying this is not 
correct information the government's been given about weapons of mass destruction in Iraq. You know, Andrew Wilkie was out there making the case that we shouldn't go to war. But the government weren't listening to some experts, but they were putting a lot of faith in other experts who were telling them the information that they wanted to hear. So there is a difference between, you know, a lie, which involves intention to mislead, and all these other, as you said, Patrick, 50 shades of grey in between truth and a lie. How important is it that the media and and others in the public eye are able to distinguish between an actual outright lie and what may be just something in between the truth and a lie? So I think the media needs to be really deliberate in prosecuting its case when there are big lies out there. So we're talking about lies where, for example, in the US, you've got Donald Trump saying the election was stolen. Those kind of huge lies have really serious consequences for you know, people's faith in democracy, for hyperpolarization, and they can be really prosecuted and accelerated by you know partisan media. And they're damaging those kind of big lies. And we should call them out when we see them. But there's a danger also of, you know, crying wolf in these things where you have News Corp saying stage three tax cuts, it's a huge lie and, you know, no one can ever trust the politicians again on, in the Labor Party because really we need to keep these things in perspective and have some kind of nuance in the debate around, well, maybe it was a broken promise, maybe it was a lie, but you know, there's reasons for it. And it's not as damaging, for example, as something like Trump is prosecuting in the US, which undermines basic faith in in democracy. Yeah, I mean, the danger is, and the US is the glaring, flashing example of this, the danger is where people come to believe that the entire political class, the media, the legal system, everyone, elites, the code word for that, are complicit in a essentially fraudulent system. And the more that accusations of lying get thrown around by credible people, by political leaders, by leading media institutions, get thrown around without justification that has the potential to play into that kind of feeling among the public, that the whole system is corrupt, which is, in Australia at least, is certainly not the case. But once people believe that, then uh, you know it's been interestingly argued in some quarters, I was going back to an article we published as long ago as 2018, looking at particularly Britain and the US, that once that belief takes hold, it's actually easier for people who just lie blatantly, like Trump, on big things to make headway. Because if people believe that all people lie, or all politicians lie, or the, or the whole system is, is built on a lie, then they'd rather listen to someone who says they've got their back and is like completely out front with their lying, <laughs> if you say what I mean. Mm. And that is obviously incredibly dangerous when politics becomes completely unmoored from actual objective facts and truth-telling. It also feeds into things like conspiracy theories where you had in the US Pizzagate where, you know, there's real world consequences of that where if somebody ends up taking a semi-automatic rifle into a pizza restaurant in, in, in Washington, you know, it's crazy stuff. And, you know, we saw the anti-vax movement really flourish during the lockdowns in Australia and the COVID-19 pandemic. And when you get to a point where politicians are constantly accused of lying, it provides the ecosystem where conspiracy theories can really flourish. Yeah, I mean, I'm sure you've heard about how the Super Bowl has been rigged and Taylor Swift is preparing target the Trump campaign. <laughs> She's going to read the election. Yeah, she's going to read the election for I Joe mean, Biden. Luckily, we're is there, not, is we're there not nothing there she can't do? <laughs> we're not quite there yet in Australia, but we're looking at the extreme example as this year unravels in the US of where 
that belief that the whole system is is rigged can take you. And while we should obviously be exposing actual lies that politicians tell, we should be careful about what we characterise as a lie and what we don't. Next, two anniversaries worth remembering. Tired of ads barging into your favourite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. Finding your perfect home was hard, but thanks to Burrow, furnishing it has never been easier. Burrow's easy-to-assemble modular sofas and sectionals are made from premium, durable materials, including stain and scratch-resistant fabrics. So they're not just comfortable and stylish, they're built to last. Plus, every single Burrow order ships free right to your door. Right now, get 15% off your first order at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's 15% off at burrow.com slash ACAST. Hi, I'm Patrick Keneally, National News Editor at Guardian Australia. Guardian Australia's Morning Mail is a quick roundup of the day's top stories, delivered directly to your inbox. Bringing you reliable, accurate news from journalists you can trust. And it's free. Sign up at theguardian.com forward slash newsletter or simply search for Guardian Australia Newsletters. Now we come to what we can't get out of our head. I hope that you have come with uh, more cheery stories than I have stuck in my head this week. Mike, what is it for you? I have definitely not come with a more cheery story. I don't know what yours is, but I've come with a distinctly grim story, which was the one published on The Guardian this week where some photos had been unearthed of people about to be deported to the death camps from Breslau and then in Germany, now Rotslav in Poland. Photos that appeared to have been taken surreptitiously by someone who had access to the area around a particular restaurant where they were collected before being deported. And you can see the piles of luggage that they had been told to bring and in many cases sort of... Not up close, but quite distinct pictures of people who could be identified and in some cases have subsequently been identified since the pictures have been published. And it's just a really kind of raw thing to look at these pictures, knowing the context, I think. It's quite an unusual thing, a very grim experience, but a really, really striking story, I think, and one I found really, really um, kind of disturbing, Mm -hmm. but also important to publish. I think you have to see it to experience the full heartache, really. So we'll put a link to that on our full story page. Patrick, what can't you get out of your head? Mine's a much happier story. It's the 40th anniversary of Medicare and like me, I guess, who's of a similar vintage. It's a little bit worn around the edges, but (laughs) still going strong. But I think the interesting thing is that people really don't know or perhaps forget what things were like before Medicare came into force in... um, in 1984. So medical costs were the biggest form of bankruptcy in Australia before Medicare was brought in, similar to the situation in the US now. Mm. There were, you know, charities who helped people with medical bills. There were other ways that people could get care, but it was real patchwork and people had a lower life expectancy and people lived with, you know, things like broken hips, 
you know, needing knee replacements, things that they just couldn't afford in hospitals at the time. So Medicare has been absolutely transformational. And although, you know, we often hear stories about the decline of bulk billing or, you know, gaps for specialist fees, it's still an amazing life-changing and and nation-changing piece of social policy. Mm, we love Medicare. And I would go and read Natasha May's piece on it. It's, it's a really lovely read. We'll put that in the full story page too. Thank you so much for joining us today, Mike. <laughs> thank you, Gabs. And lovely thank you, Patrick. Back. Thanks very much. That's it for today. Thank you so much for listening. This episode was produced by Miles Herbert and James Milsom. The executive producer is me, Gabrielle Jackson. We'll add links to the stories we've talked about today on the Full Story page over at theguardian.com. Full Story will be back with you on Monday. Catch you then. Tired of ads barging into your favourite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads.